0: Hello, hello. We at Velocify welcome you to the first ever episode of Hashtag Style Journey, a new podcast that focuses on the international fashion industry and how individuals climb their way to business success despite the obstacles they face along the way. Today we're talking to Elizabeth Enton. So without further ado, this is Velocify Presents Hashtag Style Journey.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into our first episode, everyone. This is your host, Mitali Rakit. Today, we have Elizabeth Enton with us. Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of Runway Passport. Runway Passport is a site where you can come shop and discover exciting emerging fashion designers by city from around the world. Thanks so much for being with us, Liz. It's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Would you tell us a little bit about Runway Passport and what it does exactly?
0: Sure. Runway Passport is an e-commerce where you can come shop and discover really exciting new designers. We have you know, New York, Brooklyn, Los Angeles as I guess could be fairly expected, but we also have Athens, Cape Town, we have Addis Ababa in Ethiopia and we're just expanding and constantly finding amazing new talent and just really unexpected cities that people aren't discussing as the typical fashion capitals and it's just been really thrilling to find them and meet them and see just
1: they're really beautiful designs that they're so passionate about. Have you been to all of these cities that you are pulling the designers from or do you find them some other way? Each one's kind of come to us a new way. I've been to a couple
0: of the cities, but not all of them, I feel no one knows better what's going on there than local people, so we find local fashion insiders, whether they're girls that are fashion assistants at big magazines, girls that are just really in the scene, and they just know these people, they know them personally, they're very aware of what's going on in their city. And I think an eye like that that's very part of that culture can bring us what's going on Much better than
1: someone who kind of has the rose-colored
0: glasses of travel.
1: Definitely. And so you actually call these girls curators, right? They're curators of Runway Passport. They are
0: curators, and they share with us what they're most excited about in their city.
1: Wow, that sounds so fun. I'd love to be a curator. (laughs) That sounds like a great job. Yeah, definitely not too bad. So could you tell us a little bit more also about how you got the idea for Runway Passport? Because it sounds like such a unique vision. I have definitely never seen or heard of anything like this and I doubt that most of our listeners have either. So it would be great, I think, for everyone to hear about your inspiration.
0: Oh, well, sure. I was working right after college as a fashion stylist. Actually, I was assisting stylists at a variety of magazines. I did some assisting in New York and London was absolutely the most amazing education I could ask for. But I did notice that we were kind of always pulling from the same pool of designers. I mean, absolutely the most brilliant, established, gorgeous designers. But living in Brooklyn, I realized there were just a bunch of other designers that were having a really hard time getting exposure. They're new. They might not have the finances or the teams, but they have just the same level of talent and so much passion. So that was something I noticed, and that made me kind of question what exactly I wanted to do. I took a little bit of time off, and I went backpacking Thailand. And while there, I discovered some really cool designers, and I wanted to explore more. While I was in Bangkok, I went, I asked in tourist sections, I asked in hotels, where were the designers? Everywhere they sent me was blocks of Vuitton, Prada. I mean, not stuff that I could even begin to afford at that point of my life in the first place, but no one knew. And, or no one local actually, is more what I mean. And so that really inspired me. I was like, there's no way in Bangkok, one of the most cosmopolitan cities, there isn't the equivalent of what we have here in New York and Brooklyn or Lower East Side of these designers, you know, freshly out of school or discovering their passion after another job and just really creating from the heart. I went online, did some research and I found out there's a huge fashion scene in Bangkok and they have a fashion week. So initially I decided to start a blog that covered Fashion Weeks in different cities around the world. However, after doing that for a while and learning a little bit more about the startup world, I realized that also was eliminating a ton of designers who maybe don't have the budget to do Fashion Week or, for whatever reason, are not participating in that. And even the designers in Fashion Week, their main concern was really reaching just customers. Fashion Week's absolutely beautiful. I find it like a performance and an artistic experience, but it's still being translated to the customer by the industry. And I wanted to just bring these designers, people they loved, in a direct way and get the designers, these new customers they could be really excited about. So I decided to switch our focus to an e commerce, and we've launched it. I just think this is another outlet that's getting them right to customers. And, you know, some early on can't afford those other outlets, but that doesn't mean their designs aren't just as good. They just haven't reached even that first level of customer
1: where they could begin to afford PR. So. Of course, of course. I agree yeah. with you. But then I also think in terms of the PR, we, we are seeing a huge issue in terms of the messages that are going out to the consumer the end consumer which is most often young females in the way that the clothes are presented the brands are presented right mm-hmm. and then maybe sometimes the original message of the designer does get lost in the midst of consumerism and then how do we compensate for that and deal with that when trying to reach your end customer and have a positive message through the clothes and not a commercialized message that also has, you know, underlying issues that kind of pour into what the consumer sees as an end.
0: I agree with that. I feel really no one can communicate what their clothing or line is about to their customers better than the designer themselves. So we really try to be a space. I mean, we really want the designer to communicate as directly to their people as possible. And we have a lot of exciting new ways coming forward that we're gonna have our designers be a lot more interactive and directly speak with our customers. So stay tuned, that'll be pretty exciting. And as of now, I mean, make sure that when a customer comes on and purchases something, or even just reads about it, just if they love to learn, you know, we we welcome everyone who's just excited about fashion that they want to spend or just read about it. Come on and see who these people are. We want to remind people that when they're buying a piece of clothing, it's not just, oh, here's a dress. It's like, here's a person who created it from their heart and their vision, and it speaks to you, and it's kind of an emotional connection when you really find a piece of clothing that you love or a whole collection by one designer that you love and that it speaks to you. I feel it sounds like really cheesy, but it's one person kind of speaking to another. And normally when you go into a store, that connection's kind of lost. I mean, maybe if you work in the industry, you've researched the designer, you know their stories. But in general, you're like, oh, I like this piece. But you don't know the whole story of it. And you don't know the culture. And we really want to make that connection for people. But the majority of women probably would not mind taking a year of their life to jet-set the world and shop and buy clothes I mean, I definitely cities. wouldn't.
1: I would love to. Yeah, I would love that too, <laughs> but... I don't think many
0: of us could afford to do that um, time-wise or money-wise. So we are giving that same emotional experience of being like, wow, this is my dress and it's from Madrid and maybe I can't afford to go there. Or maybe I remember my like, semester abroad there in college, but you know, I'm just out of college now working like crazy. I can't just go there. So we're creating
1: kind of that same emotional experience. I love what you're doing. I think Thank it's you. so fun. But now I'm going to ask you a tough question. Oh no. (laughs) What has been the most difficult part of the journey for you? Wow. I mean, it's a startup, you know, it's intense, and each day,
0: I think, brings a new difficulty. So I would say the hardest part for me has probably been the amount of time you just spend by yourself. Like, you're figuring this out. When I was assisting stylists, I had my bosses who were like this was done right this wasn't here's some advice on this when i did a good job i heard the word good job like there was very clear feedback and starting a company like this you don't get feedback like there isn't a mentor. This hasn't been done before. I don't have anyone I can be like, you know, you were at this stage of life and doing this. What advice do you have? It's really just a guessing game. And a fashion shoot is done within, you know, maybe including prep a week, two weeks. And then it's in the magazine. It's either picked up or not. And it, you see it. It's published. It's done. Here, it's just a slow building process without constant feedback and having to constantly live in your own face and be like, I'm not going to know Tell quite a bit down the line whether this works also listen daily to little bits, you know, trying to figure out what is working and what isn't and making changes when needed. I have to figure out how to get that guidance. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: definitely a huge challenge. So then let me follow that up and ask you when you do need to ask for help, Mm -hmm. where do you go? Where do you look as a young entrepreneur? I mean, there's going to be many times when you need to ask for help. And if you don't exactly know where to get it, where do you look?
0: There isn't one place for, like, when I had a boss, it was my boss, and then the other assistants, or her older assistants who'd been there a couple years before, who were like, oh, yeah, you do this. Each was just from all different sources. You know, sometimes my advisors, Sometimes my parents, I mean, they're not in the fashion space at all, and they're not in the tech world at all, so they can't give direct advice, but life advice. I feel like, as of now, I have a really strong community of other entrepreneurs, and we all turn to each other. We're kind of all in the same boat in a lot of ways. It's still a very strong support community where they can give an outside perspective of what I'm going through. I'll turn to fashion designers for some parts of advice because they'll know what they need and they'll be able to say if the site's helping them in one area or not. I read a lot of books. I follow podcasts. And that's part of the challenge, too, is figuring out where do you go for help for this issue because, again, that's completely undefined. Sounds Mm -hmm. like the hustle to me. (laughs) It's intense. It's the most fun I've ever had but also
1: the most intense. For sure. And what do you think is the most shocking thing you've learned about yourself along the way? That is such a hard question. I think the most shocking thing
0: is I've always considered myself an artist. And my initial vision was to be in the artistic fashion styling world. And I think learning that And I I really would say this probably applies to everyone in the world. When you're passionate about something, you can figure out how to do anything. Like, I've become really passionate about tech. I never thought I would learn coding. And I mean, I obviously am nowhere near the level of my amazing CTO, Jerome, who I love. But I still understand the basics, and that was something I never thought I could do. I've understood and have learned a lot now about the whole business end and financial end. I guess that really is the most surprising thing about myself and, again, human nature in general is we're kind of taught these are your talents, you do this, and ignore everything else and focus on this, and you're not good at that, hire people to do the other. And sure, eventually I'll hire people to do the parts that I'm not completely passionate about, but that's way down the lines. I mean, I really have to do almost everything at this point, and it's just learning that when something has to be done, even if it's stuff I've been like, that's not mine, I can learn to do it, and I'll do it. If you understand kind of the bigger picture for why you're doing the stuff that maybe you've defined as you're not good at or don't
1: like, like sink or swim, you become good at it because you don't have a choice. I think I can understand that feeling. And what do you think is the most shocking thing that you've learned about the fashion industry? Wow, a lot there too. The amount of
0: designers that are out there, the vast amount and the amount of cities that really are fashion capitals are just I mean actually I want to say that the concept of fashion capital actually doesn't even exist. I mean the fashion industry is New York, London, Paris, Milan, and that's all people really talk about getting a little cutting edge of oh wow, Tokyo or you know the random City, maybe a little bit LA, but mainly it's a core focus on those four. And then a small selection of emerging designers that might be up and coming this one season. But there are, oh my God, so many designers. I mean, I knew there were more than what was being focused on. I had no idea the level and amount. And the fashion industry is just as strong in cities, in terms of talent, in cities that no one's talking about as fashion capitals. And it's both shocking and absolutely fascinating and a really nice, shock, I would say. And what about a not-so-nice shock? What about something controversial? Something controversial in fashion? Um,
1: I mean, especially working in all of these different cities around the world, you know, where we see, you know, all the sweatshop issues going on all the unfair practices to be totally honest I've been a little sheltered from
0: that part of it because the designers I'm now working with are and is something really important to me they're smaller scale and they're making the clothes themselves or they have a small team that they've hired it's very hands on I feel like everything I've learned about the sweatshops I've read in the news and it's absolutely horrifying and I'm hoping as people spread out everyone isn't focusing on this one core of designers and then the ones knocking them off I'm hoping that those conditions get better and better. Where, like, obviously being a little metaphorical here, but everyone's buying from five places. I think when things are so concentrated, that feeds the whole sweatshop world, and there's become such a big disconnect between the clothing people buy and where it comes from. And I'm thinking, you know, when you're buying from more personal designers, it's a lot better. So. I've definitely found that shocking, but I haven't found that shocking while working on this as much, you know, as much as reading the news about it. The same way everyone else has, you're very, very hidden from it, unfortunately, when you're in the magazine, um, which is my original background, and I'm hoping that changes. I think one of the negative things I personally discovered was the amount of obstacles blocking so many designers from having a chance. Just the level of finances, I mean, I've met designers who personally said one of their biggest struggles is they love their home and they want to be near their family, and that's really important to them, but they feel they have to move to New York, London, or Paris, or Milan to make it, and just kind of some of the emotional struggles some have felt with that, and that also is another thing that really motivated me with Runway Passport, like, people shouldn't have to make that decision if you're living in a big city. There's just been a lot of obstacles. One of the most shocking things was, which we're actually going to be doing an article about, was we looked some at Pakistani fashion. Initially, when we were just going to cover fashion weeks, and women are putting their lives at risk for fashion there. Literally, I mean, there's some underground fashion shows, and women's lives have been threatened for doing that. There's this whole controversy with the government trying to do, like, Moral clothing, and they'll show very covered up traditional Middle Eastern woman is quote unquote supposed to wear, and then these other women are doing these underground shows, and fashion is just so important to how people express themselves, and people should have full access. I mean, you don't have to like what someone wears for whatever reason; you can think whatever you want about what they wear, but they still have a right to wear that, and they shouldn't be shamed. They certainly shouldn't have their life at risk. That just sort of blew me away. Um, I still feel. I have more of an intellectual understanding of it than an emotional, which I kind of think is all you can have until you've actually been there, which I haven't. Um, And I think it's just, I mean, when you stop and think about it and you're like, oh, God, what dress do I wear to this party? Oh, it's these, like my fat pants, I'm feeling fat today. <laughs> you know I mean it's like we all do that. but then you think about it and there are women who are literally putting their lives at risk for the opportunity for that level of self-expression and as well as creating their art. I mean it's just insane. It, it, I mean even sounds crazy saying it that people are dying for this. I mean as well as in sweatshops, which as I addressed before, I'm hoping changes as fashion designers become more personalized to people thanks so
1: much for sharing that with us. Ah, I definitely did not know mm-hmm. about that at all. I do remember seeing in Sex and the City how when they were leaving Abu Dhabi, even though that wasn't really Abu Dhabi, that they went to some underground women's mm-hmm. meeting talking mm-hmm. about Suzanne Summers hormone mm-hmm. book for menopause, oh. and that sounds a little bit reminiscent about what you were just saying, which, yeah. yeah, it's definitely incredibly emotional to think about mm-hmm. people putting their lives at risk for self-expression, and yeah. I think it shows something fundamental about the human nature, mm-hmm. and it's need to be free. How much we express ourselves visually. I mean, yeah. Everyone wears clothes, whether you
0: hate fashion have no interest in it
1: well not everyone Everyone. (laughs) in theory we can't say everyone in theory you might be arrested if you don't but nudist colonies love them that's true (laughs) if you could do anything over again what would it be honestly and this is so
0: cliche it's literally written about in almost every startup book and every business book i'm going to say it's probably written about all the time because it's so true, and it's probably a mistake every young entrepreneur makes. They say get rid of people quickly. If it's not working out, move on instantly. I'd say very early on, kind of when we had a different vision and before I found my CTO, now, again, Jerome, I have to credit him again because I obviously hate <laughs> saying we love you, Jerome. I love you, Jerome. <laughs> um, before I found him, I went through a lot of people in different positions for my company, and they always seemed so excited, came with the best energy early on. But things just wouldn't feel right, and I would struggle to be like, okay, what am I not communicating? What am I doing wrong? How can I work with them better? I think a CEO should, every time something's not right, it's my fault. You know, it's not theirs, so what am I doing wrong with, this isn't working, that they're not completing this, that they're not communicating, how am I not reaching them? And yeah, that's true, you should always think about it, but they're not getting it done and it's not working, they're not the right person. Get rid of them immediately. Stop struggling. Stop trying to make it work. Doesn't mean they're not brilliant. They're probably just not either the right match for you, for your vision, or maybe they're not right for startups. It's a really specific lifestyle, and it doesn't mean you're not going to completely rock it in an already existing industry. I mean, it's just as admirable. So there's a bazillion reasons why it might not have worked, and it's almost like with relationships. Like, if you're having to fight that hard to make it work constantly, move on quickly, because you waste a lot of time. And I feel...
1: Early on I wasted insane amounts of time on the wrong people. That definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with because you're just starting out and you can't do everything by yourself. You just can't. You need a great team. But then how can you motivate your team to be as driven Mm -hmm. as you are (laughs) and as around the clock on? It's hard. It's, it's definitely really hard really hard. But I definitely think as CEOs, it's our job to also, like you said, make sure that we are communicating mm-hmm. in the right way and getting our message across to a point. But it has to be to the right person to the right person, of yeah. course, of course. And so then to wrap up with the formal questions mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. interview, I wanted to ask you what the greatest lesson you've learned that you could pass on to our listeners. Oh, God, like a thousand. <laughs> <I forget laughs> ever Lessons. plural.
0: Um, if you have the bigger vision, you can really do any of the little steps along the way that you thought you were bad at. Again, you might not be the best at it, but you're certainly going to be good enough to get your company to the point where you can hire someone to do it. If you think you can't do numbers, if you think you can't do coding or Photoshop or whatever, you know, your skills are, Um, when you have the passion for the bigger vision, you can do it. You just have to focus and you might not love it. But you can do any of the little steps necessary along the way to get your bigger vision to a certain point. Um, And also just, again, cliche, but seriously listen to your gut. If a person doesn't feel right, don't question that. Something I always did, I was like, oh, but they're so nice. Sort of felt like there was something wrong in not liking certain people. And 100% of the time was right when I had that funny feeling. And again, maybe they're great people. Maybe I really enjoy having a coffee with them, but they're not right for my company. You know what you're doing more than you think you do.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Thanks so much, Liz. Sure, you're welcome. Now, we want to ask Liz uh, some rapid-fire questions. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Let's see. We've got that ten. That scary. <laughs> They'll <laughs> be fun. They'll be fun. Okay, so the first one is Hump, Dump, or Mary? Colin Firth, Colin Farrell, Colin Powell. Oh, God.
0: Oh, dear God. Um, I guess Mary, Colin Firth. Um Colin Powell, just, I mean, I respect him, but just the government he worked for is the <laughs> opposite of all my values. <laughs> and um, Colin Powell. All right. Um. Sounds good. The second one is your hottest trend forecast for the summer. I'm going to say that I don't believe in trends, especially when I go so international. I guess a lot of people would say rompers are trends right now, but, you know, when you're bringing everything in internationally, it's not about trends at all. You just see such diverse visions of fashion that it's really about connecting people with what they love. and. I don't think you should follow trends at all. I think it's about finding pieces you love. They can be really edgy and hot. They don't have to be traditional or last you 40 years. Okay. The grossest thing you've ever eaten? Oh my god. I'll say McDonald's. Ew, I haven't eaten that since I was like 18, but flat out McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) The country
1: or city you'd most like to visit?
0: Oh my god, I want to go everywhere. I can't play favorites. I'm, like, supporting the whole world with this company. So I, I literally say every time I start uploading a designer or looking at them that we just brought on, I'm like, that's where I want to go. So. so most recently, it's been? I just got in a designer three days ago, a gorgeous joy designer from Mumbai. So right now, I'm really excited to go to Mumbai. Awesome.
1: Okay. Rank and order of talent. Kim Kardashian, Miley Cyrus, and Lindsay Lohan. I would say Miley Cyrus, number one. Probably
0: Lindsay Lohan number two. Unfortunately I think thrown a lot of her acting talents away. But I remember loving the movies when I was a kid and she was a kid and I was like <laughs> oh you know, yeah. I love that movie. So real, that's like childhood. I have a real soft spot. And then Kim Kardashian. But I have to give her full on credit for knowing how to make things go viral. That is not a talent that I at all look down upon. But you know, I guess when I'm thinking of talent, I'm thinking of artistic and I definitely th- think she's got a lot of business talent. She Sure. She has just my utmost admiration for how viral and she can get things to go.
1: Yeah. Donald Trump or Jeb Bush? Oh, God. That's like cancer or heart attack. I can't choose. <laughs> you have to choose.
0: Oh. oh, God. I loathe them both with a burning passion. Um, <laughs> I guess at least Donald Trump's like pro-choice. You know, I mean, that's the only... I guess he's a little pro-choice, pro-business. He can get a little credit for that, but... Not, not And he's hilarious. I mean, if Donald Trump wins, no one's going to make me happier than listening to John Stewart for the rest of his time there, so. <laughs> at least get some good humor.
1: Okay, sounds good. Mm-hmm. California or New York? I live in both. New York in summers, California winters, so both. <laughs> Best booty, J-Lo or Beyonce? Oh, God, they're both.
0: I mean, I wouldn't mind having either one. Oh, God. I guess Beyonce? Beyonce.
1: Okay. Yeah. Person you'd most like to meet, dead or alive? Santa Friedland. And lastly, your favorite fashion icon. Santa Friedland. <laughs> Alright, perfect. Well that <laughs> wraps up our first mm-hmm. podcast episode with Elizabeth Enton. Thank you so much for being with us. We really enjoyed hearing all of your insights on your style journey. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun and I'm so excited about what you guys are doing too. Thanks so much, guys, for listening and tune in for our next episode.
0: This has been Velocify Presents Hashtag
1: Style Journey.